Bless the name of the Lord. So good to see you all this morning. We thank God for all that he is doing in our midst, all that he has promised to do, and all that he has positioned us to do for his glory. Amen. I want to ask you to go to Matthew chapter 5. I want to jump right into this because there's some things I want to share with you. Amen. I know I spent a lot of time teaching and, and preaching and ministering to you all and all that jazz. But today, uh, you know, we're at the head of a new year. And so today I want to give some leadership expectations. Amen. Um, if you look at Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. One of the things that we see here is Jesus giving clear expectations and directives of what it means to live as children of the kingdom. Amen. How many know you cannot hold people accountable for what you never taught them? Look at two people and tell them common sense ain't common. If it was, everybody would have it. Matter of fact, most of us that talk about common sense are just lazy. Hello? We throw out the common sense card when we don't want to train and develop people. Hello? Come on, tell us my leadership going to cost you some time. And now, I want to remind you that we are already, we're in the first month of the year, right? And uh, I think about 20 people have joined the church already in the first month of the year. Hello. Look, somebody tell them that's work. If you, if you understand, when you heard that, you should have thought right there, oh, that's work. Somebody said, I got to get to know somebody else. Come on, somebody. I got to lean in to somebody else's process. This is why I want to meet with all new people. Because I'm not in the crowds, I'm in the people. Hello? So I like to meet with people so I can, you know, one conversation and I can ascertain my assignment in their lives. Got that? And uh, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, we pray and God shows it. I want to know my assignment in people's lives. Do you? All right. So let's talk about that. So somebody shout, there are no happenstances in the kingdom of God. If God gave you influence, God gave you an assignment. Hello, somebody. Ask somebody, who did God give you influence with? So wherever there is influence, there is an assignment. Wherever there's an assignment, there is an anointing. When it's the anointing, it's not me. Say it with me. When it's the anointing, it's not me. When it's me, it's not the anointing. All of your frustrations happen in you, not the anointing. Hello, somebody. Tell somebody, you tired of people, that's you. That's not the anointing. Uh, y'all did not hear what I just said. Come on, y'all didn't tell you to say, neighbor, if you tired of people, that's you. That's not the anointing. And the old folks say, I ain't no ways tired. And I don't know about you, but I look forward to seeing what the anointing of God is going to do in people's lives through me. Anybody just want to be used by God? Come on, somebody say, I just want to be used by God. I don't know what God is going to do, but I know he's going to do something that's going to be transformative in the lives of those 
who I encounter. Amen? Amen. Why? Because God is very intentional. God is very, very, very intentional about the kind of relationships that he orchestrates. Amen? We are called by God. We are positioned by God. God's purposes in our lives. Somebody shout, I'm not here by accident. Now, you're not here as a leader by accident. Don't be in people's lives by accident. Come on, tell somebody, don't you dare be more of what caused them pain. Amen? Don't be more of what caused people pain, what caused them anguish. Here's another thing. You, when you meet people and when you start engaging people in your assignment, look somebody tell them, they always got problems. And if you take the problems you find in people personally, that means you don't understand your assignment. No, not hear what I just said. Somebody shout, I'm a part of their solution. Come on, look at me and tell them, I'm anointed for this. I'm anointed for this. I'm anointed for this. Your annoyances mean that you're trying to handle divine matters in your own strength. Y'all got that? So I don't know about you, but I, I get excited. I met with a whole lot of our, our new people so far, some from last year that just got in, some from this year, and I'm excited. The reason I'm excited is because I see the eagerness in their eyes to learn and grow and evolve, and I hear their testimonies about how this ministry is transforming their lives. Amen. I see clearly what God is doing in each one of their lives as I meet with them. And why am I saying that? Because it's imperative that you understand the process of helping new people to assimilate into our ministry and into the vision. You got to be out of yourself. Matter of fact, tell somebody to do what we do. You got to be out of your mind. Hey, say, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. I want you to think about this. Everybody Jesus encountered, the interaction was about the person on the other end of the encounter. Look, somebody tell me, it's not about you at all. And to do what we do well, to do it effortlessly, this feels easy to me, because it's not me. Y'all not hear what I just said. I have somebody, how do you deal with all the people? I just deal with me. Hello, somebody. I just keep me where I need to be. I don't take people's problems personally. I hand those problems to the anointing. And the anointing breaks the yoke, destroys the stronghold, releases the captive, and liberates those who come under the auspices of your influence. Y'all see how that works? Say it with me again. If it's me, it's not the anointing. And if it's the anointing, it's not me. So after dealing with people and dealing with people and dealing with people, right? All I need is a good night's sleep. Hello, somebody. Rest the body is all I need because people's problems ain't on my mind. They're on my prayer list. But they're not on my mind. Y'all got that? So watch what it says here in Matthew chapter 5. Expectations. Jesus said... And uh, let's look at verse one. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and <laughs> falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. So now I want to, as I mentioned before, we spend so much time teaching and preaching and so on and so forth. I just want to give some leadership expectations for 2024. Matter of fact, I have 23 points to give you for our 23rd year. <laughs> The reason that Jesus gave expectations and the reason I'm giving expectations is to remove all ambiguity. Look somebody tell them gray is the devil's favorite color. Gray is the devil's favorite color. Hello, somebody. Listen, if you as a leader are speaking clearly and you got you're casting clear vision, you bring, never never bring anybody into your process who you don't give clarity to. Hello. Somebody shout, if, you, if I don't give clarity, ambiguity will cause confusion. So that's part of your process of leadership, is that if you are the leader, you're responsible to make sure those who come to the auspices of your department or your leadership, you're responsible for giving them clarity. Y'all got that? Y'all know what happens when people don't have clarity, they assume. Hello, somebody. Now when people assume, what do they assume to? I'm looking for one word. When people don't have clarity, what do they assume to? No. All right. Their history. When people do not have clarity, say it with me. When people don't have clarity, they assume to their history. Y'all see that? Now, the problem with that is that there's a reason people here, they're trying to escape something from their history. But when they don't have clarity, they assume that they're history. Y'all yeah. got that? Yeah. That's why if you, if you have somebody join your department or join your team, and you don't, you don't take the time to convey to them the essence of what you do and why you do what you do and how you do it and how you expect it to be done. And if you don't do all of that, oh, they go back to the third uh, Baptist church of the chosen frozen. They go to their... <laughs> they're going to refer back to their religion. Oh my God, in the absence of clarity, they compensate for that ambiguity with something from their history. Then you get mad, oh, we don't do it that way. Well, now you hollering, you should have been training. Hello, somebody. Should have tell somebody you gotta take time with people. How many of you are in leadership? Raise your hand if you're in leadership, right? You know what that means right now? We're at the beginning of a new year and you are starting over again. Write this down. Part of leadership is starting over again, over and over again. Hello, somebody. That's a fundamental part of leadership. I'm just tired of starting over. You tired of leading. I want y'all to think about this for a moment. Somebody shout, I'm a farmer. Paul said it like this. You are, uh, uh, you are God's field. Right? So he likened the people under his, under his leadership, under the auspices of his assignment, as a field that God was harvesting. 
Think about what a farmer does. A farmer comes in, spots out a plot of land, right? First thing they do is that they start doing some excavation work. Somebody say, you gotta go down before you can come up. So they start doing some excavation. They start dealing with the rocks that are in the soil. They start dealing with the roots that are in the soil. They start dealing with the rodents. Somebody shout rocks, roots, rodents. Y'all remember this thing? Somebody remember this? Y'all don't? You don't? No? All right. Somebody shout rocks, roots, rodents. Now, anybody you gonna help to cultivate, you gotta deal with some rocks, some roots, or some rodents. Somebody shout, this come with the territory. There's some of us right now that we want to harvest and we haven't done any excavation work in people's life. You got to spend time with people in the ugly. Oh, God, who am I talking to? Well, they don't know how to talk to people. They just do, right? That ain't got nothing to do with you. They had these problems when they came under your leadership. That's why God sent them under your leadership. But they don't like me. Do you like you? Somebody, do you like you? Because only if you don't like you, then you make a big deal when you find out somebody else don't either. Y'all got that? Don't take people's problems with you personally. Come on, say it with me. Don't take people's problems with you personally. Somebody's not personal. It's progressive. So people will try you with their attitude. It's a process. People will try you with their attitude. Ask me why. To see if you're more of the same. More of the same of what hurt them. More of the same of what abandoned them. More of the same of what would not work through a process with them. Most people don't believe you believe in them. Hello, somebody. That's why I tell somebody, don't listen to people about people. Jesus did not take the testimony of a man about a man. Ask me why. He knew all men. Just like, quit listening to people about people. People talk about who they couldn't help. Just like, that don't mean I can't help. Hello, somebody. That means you weren't willing to go through a process with people. I'm willing to go through a process with people. Somebody shout, here I am, starting over again with people. Because that's what I do. Rocks, roots, and rodents. So you can't go just throwing that seed down there. Cause just because you got something good to offer don't mean you need to plant it right now. Somebody shout, there's some, there's some work before the work. There's some work before you start really planting and they start taking root and producing something. Somebody shout, there's some work before the work. So now watch this now. So the rocks, right? Why are there chunks of rock in this soil, right? Because somebody used to have a shed there. You have to labor with people as they work through the process of clearing up broken foundations. That's what rocks represent. There's something that maybe it existed in the former season of their life. It was good while it lasted, but it's over. There's some things that were erected that were never supposed to ever be built. And you have to suffer the process of people getting rid of their rocks. Somebody shout, I'm an excavator. Or you got to help them deal with roots. Say roots. Roots speak of these vines and trees and things that were growing. A lot of times it comes down to family history. Oh God, what tree did they grow up in? 
So now you got to help them to get to the root of some issues that have intertwined itself in their soul. And you got to go through the dirty work of helping them get delivered from all these roots that are a part of their substratum. You got that? And then there are rodents. What do you mean by that? You, somebody shot, they got to be pesticide. Why? Because I've got, there are some things that are in there that have been gnawing at them. There are some deliverance needs. Hello, somebody. There's some, so rocks, rudeness, and clearing, that's all the first work. That's, somebody shout, that's normal. That's the normal first work of engaging people in their process. Y'all got that? Now, after you've done with the, root, the roots and the rocks and the rodents, then and only then can you start doing the work to till that ground so that you can then plant a seed. Now, think about what we do. We plant the seed, right? We water the seed. We cultivate the seed. We can't make it grow. After all of this, somebody, after all of your efforts, you still can't make nobody grow. How? This is what the Bible says. Some plant, some water. Just my God give the increase. Only God. Oh, God. I talk to you over and over again. You still don't get it. That ain't your business. Your, tell somebody, your job is to plant the seed. Or your job may be to water the seed. Elbow somebody tell them you can't make nothing grow. Oh, you got to make room for the Holy Ghost to do what only the Holy Ghost can do in people's lives. Tell somebody, that's just not your part. Y'all got that? And then all of a sudden, you see a little sprout starting to come up. Your efforts are now taking root in the lives of people. God is doing the part that God must do to help people to get to act on what you taught them. Now you start seeing them begin to, but this new life starts forming on the inside of them, right? And then now they start, it starts springing up. And before you know it, you know what you end up seeing on that thing? Fruit. Fruit start growing. Are we done? No, because now it's harvest time. Because we got to make sure fruit got to turn into productivity. Fruit is produce when it becomes productive. Hello, somebody. So now we got to turn fruit into produce, which means I've got to help people now to integrate what grew in their lives into the vision. I got to help them become acclimated to what we do and become a normal part of what we produce. Y'all got that? All right, so are we done? We're not done yet, right? Because now we got to chop the thing down and start all over again. Farmers start all over again, over and over again. That's just what we do. Y'all yeah. got that? You get tired of starting over again with people, new people, right? You're done. You're finished. See that? Because guess what? Your department's not going any further. That's why you should never create a team based on your comforts. Y'all did not hear what I just said. I don't know about you, but I take great delight in shaking up my leadership team. When I ask somebody, you have to figure them out. Like, I ain't got to figure them out. I pray them in. Hello. You ought to see the emails again. Who is this and what are they doing? That ain't your business. Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Hello, somebody. Y'all got that? Now, the point is, I'm not creating a structure based on my comfort. Ask your neighbor, are you? Actually, maybe if I look at your team, is it a reflection of your need to be comfortable? Wow. 
are you intentionally? Matter of fact, we think, I know she can work with her, so I'm bringing them. No, bring the people that don't like working together. Over and over again, y'all see me do this. I put two people together that don't like working together. Like, we're going to kill this. Why? Hello. Why? Somebody shot with one of another. Nope, y'all going to stay right there until you get over whatever it is y'all don't like about each other. How am, I, how am I helping you become more like Christ running from your deliverance? Hello, somebody. Tell somebody, if you don't like somebody, it's because they reveal your deliverance need. Hello? You think you're the standard of what everybody should be. Y'all got that? You know the, the root of all uh, arguments and fighting and anger between people is two people thinking you're not like me, no, you're not like me, no, you're not like me, which means each, which means each one of them think they're the standard of what people should be. Y'all got that? The growth of us is the death of self. Hello, somebody. So we should not be interested in comfort. We should be interested in everyone being conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. Does that make sense? All right. Jesus said, you think I came to bring peace? I came to bring a sword and division. <laughs> Why? He said, I'm going to make everything not like me. I'm going to make sure it makes it very obvious so we can deal with it. Does that make sense? Somebody shout, I am here for people in their process. Say it again. I am here for people in their process. If you are not currently engaging people in their process, you are not currently leading. Who are you helping with what? Who's getting better because of your influence? Who's being challenged because of your influence? Who is growing because of the grace of God that's on your life? Y'all got that? Does that make sense? So we give clear expectations as Jesus did to remove all ambiguity, to clarify his will. Tell somebody you got to clarify your will. Make it very clear, right? As I said earlier, common sense ain't common. If it was, everyone would have it. Now get this, leaders. Common sense is a figment of your imagination. <laughs> Hello, somebody. There are certain things that are normal to you. There are certain things that make sense to you that won't make sense to other people until you take time. Somebody say, I got to take time with people. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up because ultimately, if you're a leader in a department, you know, I love one of the things Mike is doing right now. Mike St. Louis, he's leading sound team, and one of the things he said, I'm going to cross train everybody up here. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody gets it. I want to make sure everybody knows how to do everything. Oh, great. So we're going to end territorialism. That's my area. Your soul, your soul, your soul. So basically, we can't do this unless you're here. Just like we got to end territorialism. That's how you do it, through cross-training. You know, I, I remember when I, in my management days. Well, these are my management days. But I remember in my management days in the business world. And I remember one of the things that I would do with my managers because I wrote the schedule as a journal manager, I would schedule all my, my shifts. Two things. Number one, I scheduled myself to work all three shifts. Now, my contemporaries, right, the other GMs, right, they only work the day hours. 
They didn't want to work night shift. They didn't want to work mid shift. They scheduled that their assistance, right? I scheduled myself to work all shifts. Ask me why. Because cause if I work my manager's shift, I can see exactly what they've been doing by, how, by watching their employees. I can tell if you've been taking the directives you get from the manager meeting, and if you've been teaching it to your staff, because all I got to do is sit here and watch how they operate. Y'all got that? So now I got a better grasp of my organization because even though I am the manager, I make the schedule, I'm not just scheduling myself for the preferential hours. I'm scheduling myself for all hours so I have a better overview and concept of what's going on within the framework of my organization. Y'all got that? So I knew when I did a manager's review, I'm like, I know exactly what you do. Why? Because I'm seeing how your staff operate. Plus, I sit in the parking lot and watch you. I saw what you do. You sit in the office. You're not on the floor talking to customers. Does that make sense? Now, so the second thing is this, right? The second thing is on my schedule, on the bottom of my schedule, I would list my job function, everything a GM does, right? So on Tuesday, I'm going to train Andy on how to do this process, which is my job. On Thursday, I'm going to train Jules this. On, on this day, I'm going to train DJ, right? So that by the time we go through a whole week, and then a whole month, and then a whole year, all of my assistants are learning how to do my job. Yeah. It was right on the schedule to make sure I replaced myself within my organization. Because yeah. once I have multiplied, once I have multiplied, my knowledge, I have freed myself. Yes, now hear what I just said. Once, say, once I multiply my knowledge, I'm free to go to the next level. So watch what happened. My contemporaries of the gym, they work at 80 hours a week. You know, easy, right? Because things wouldn't run right unless they were there. See that? I was working 48 hours a week and off on Sundays. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And making more money than all of them. Why? Tell somebody your freedom is in your training and development. That's where your freedom is. Because now when I'm not there, I'm not needed. Yes, yes. You know what I found out about a lot of us as leaders? We train just enough to be needed. And an insecure, write this down. An insecure leader trains just enough to be needed. Just enough intel so you have to call me when you have a difficulty. You know what that is? Ego. Running the show. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I got the keys for that. I got that knowledge. Why isn't it accessible to people you, you train it? Why don't, ask somebody, why don't you trust the people you train? Come on, ask your neighbor, why don't you trust the people you train? <laughs> if you question their knowledge, I question your training. Does that make sense? Now, I'm going to tell you something. So I told my assistants, I said, here's what I'm going to do. What are you doing, Mark Joe? I said, I'm training you in GM function, right? Now, remember this. I had come from a company where my boss, before I became the boss at that company, wouldn't train the assistant managers anything that had to do with GM-related duty. Ask me why. Insecurity. I said, how you, how you, Wayne, Wayne Reeves, I'll never forget. So how you, how you do this? I'm watching you do this, perform, right? How do you do that? He like, you don't need to know that. That's, that's GM now. You don't need to know that. That's what you know. <laughs> so I waited good to Wayne's car, pull out the parking lot. 
I said, oh, I'm going to figure this out. Y'all got that? So I'm looking at the numbers. I'm backing stuff out. I'm comparing report to report. I called across town to his peers. Say, hey, I, I, I got a question. I'm looking at these numbers. I'm trying to figure out. And they were, oh, yeah. See, they had nothing to lose by telling me what my boss was doing. So by the time you know, I knew how to do Wayne's job, and Wayne didn't teach me. Y'all got that? Guess who replaced Wayne? Your boy. Now the point, the point I'm making is this. The point I'm making is this, right? It's a fundamental part of leadership. Tell somebody you got to replace yourself. While you're in charge. The board and I met recently. And one of the things we discussed in our last board meeting is this. I plan on putting a successor in place at Manifest Worldwide while I'm still here. Y'all hear what I just said? Y'all got that? Why? Because as I fade away into the sunset, if the Lord tarries, right, it gives people time to embrace and follow new leadership. Does that make sense? We build, somebody shout, we build a generation. We're not building something that orbits around the personality of Mark Jones. Y'all understand that? And neither should your area orbit around your personality. Y'all got that, believers? Now, what, what, what happens when you take time to train and develop uh, people, somebody shall increase efficiency. Every time you add somebody to your department, your department should become more efficient. But that is predicated upon what do you ask somebody, what are you doing with new people? Now, if your idea, I'm gonna give them a limited role that has nothing to do with actual leadership, you're not helping yourself. Does that make sense? All right. So that was one of the ways that, and, and, and here's the thing, right? So I told my, my assistants, my management, I'm like, listen, here's what I'm doing. So I'm training y'all to do my job so that I could focus on the war plan. The company had this thing called the war plan, right? It was, it was like items upon items in different categories of when you hit these benchmarks, then you got certain bonuses as a result of that. I'm like, my job is to get us paid. <laughs> So I told him, I said, I'm going to let y'all run the company. I said, my job is to get us paid. Let me show you what happened. This is, this is how it happened. So they would come in to do the inspection based off the war plan, right? Every single thing. We're hitting right. And I told my assistant, right, y'all going to make more money than any other assistant managers in this company. And they did. Why? Because I freed myself by training them to do all of my responsibility so I could focus on creating somebody else's systems and procedures that made sure that we were hitting the war plan every single day. It blew their mind. We made so much money, they had to change the pay structure for, for uh, managing partners. That is a true story. They had another tier of management uh, above GM uh, financially called managing partners where you could pay $12,500 and then you could become a, a not just a GM but a managing partner, which means now you get a percentage of operation profit on top of your regular salary, right? So they came to me like, do you want to be a managing partner? I'm like, I don't need you. I ain't gonna give y'all $12,500. <laughs> oh, Lord, my money, I don't need to do that. We made so much money that they sent out a newsletter said, we have to change the, we have to change the pay structure because somebody, oh we 
have a GM that's making more money than managing partners? Your boy. Now the point I'm making, somebody shot my freedom. It's in my training. Y'all got that? Are you training slaves or successors? Y'all got that? Ask somebody, do you want people to be as, as good as you? Matter of fact, if you really get part of leadership, you want people to take what you gave them and take it to a whole. If I gave you something I've been doing, it better not look just like I was doing. Ask somebody, why I need you if you're going to do what I did? Why I need you if you're going to do exactly what I did? Does that make sense? Tell somebody it should be better under your successor's hand. It should be better under the hands of people you train them. Y'all got that? And don't cap your help. Don't become a lead to your leaders. Oh no, we ain't never done that. Yeah, because you ain't never thought about it. Y'all see that? Is it a good idea? Will it take things to the next level? Will it enhance and advance? It doesn't matter if you didn't come up with it. Y'all got that? Tell somebody at some point you got to get out of the way and let your help help you. You got to tell them at some point you got to get out of the way and let your help help you. You know why you need help? Because you don't know everything. Does that make sense? Now you know what I'm advocating for? Competent leaders. Fully competent leaders. Somebody shout, no insecurity. No insecurity whatsoever. Does that make sense? All right. So we, we want to remove ambiguity. We want to clarify our will, our direction, our vision. We want to lay the basis. What, what, watch this now. Which lays the basis of, co of correction. We're somebody shout, we're laying the basis of correction. Now, what do you mean by that? You can't come in correcting people for what you never instructed them. Y'all ain't doing it right. You never trained us. You never showed us what you wanted. See that? So when you take the time to mentor, to develop, to train, to inculcate values, to inculcate expectation, now you can come back with correction. Why? Because you laid the foundation and instruction. If you don't lay the foundation and instruction, then now you are a tyrant in correction. Does that make sense? Take time with people. And it don't have to be formal time. It could be informal. It could be unrelated to the meeting. Take time with people. And then when you take time with them, take time with others. And keep taking time with people. That's your freedom as a leader. Because you want to lastly establish a foundation. Y'all got that? Now, I said to you, we're, we're coming up on year 23. So I got 23 things that I'm going to give you. These are my expectations for my leaders in 2024 and beyond. Number one, that you possess a clear definition of leadership. Okay? A clear definition of leadership. Y'all got that? You cannot get right behavior out of wrong definitions. Isn't that right? So now watch this now. So leadership, as we said over and over again, somebody shout, it's not about who I'm over, it's about who I'm responsible for. I want you to think about this uh, from a, think about it from a Moses standpoint, right? God saw people in crisis, his people in affliction. He heard them crying out because they were under the, the uh, auspices of harsh taskmasters. So God's answer to people in crisis was what? Leadership. leadership. Somebody shout, God's answer. To people in crisis is leadership. 
God's answer to people that need to make change in life is leadership. God's answer from taking for, for taking people from an undesirable state to a desirable state is leadership. Say everything about leadership. It's about where I'm taking people under my influence. Where are people going under your influence? If you haven't thought about that, you haven't defined leadership. Come on, somebody. If everybody I impact starts becoming like me, how are we become? You better be thinking about that. Because that's what defines leadership. Where am I taking people? Now, see that? Now, by virtue of what? Influence. Influence has a certain gravitational pull to it. If you're a leader, you have influence. If you are influencing people, that is good or bad. That is right or wrong. That is up or down. But it's never nothing. Influence is always doing something to people. Now, what are people becoming dealing with you? So number one, we have to have the clear definition of what leadership is. Number two, my second expectation of you, that you lead, here's a word, consistently. Consistently. Y'all got that? You don't get to take time off from leadership. Hello. You may take vacations, you may take breaks, but when it comes to what leadership is, you cannot, you do not take time off from what leadership is. Does that make sense? Somebody shout, we gotta be consistent. Now, I want you to think about it this way, right? Think about when, let's, let's talk about home, the home environment. Anybody in social services? Anybody in social services? How important is to the kids coming up in a, in a home environment that home is the same place and you have stable mother-father relationship? How important is that? How does it affect the how does it affect kids if, if it's uh, oh it affects their holistic development if the people that should be there aren't there if 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 home is a different place every week and it creates uncertainty and that creates insecurity and that creates volatility all because the people that were in the role wasn't in position. Now, you're in this room, which means you're in the role. But now when it comes to your effect on the congregation, are you in position? Because just like Janelle says, right, in, in the social services dynamic, right, and when it comes to the formation of stable souls or either unstable souls, the, most, the thing that's most definitive of what's forming these souls is the people that are supposed to be there being there. Oh, God, help me. Home is always the same place. And when you get there, you keep finding the same people. And that translates to stability in the souls that are being formed. No, I just define you, I just define you what we are doing to this congregation. Tell somebody, if you're not consistently here, you're creating insecurity in the followers. If you're not consistently in your place, right? You're not, pre here's the word, predictable. You know what, right? I drive around the corner, these guys standing out front. You know what, they know what time I get here. And as I move, right, everybody always knows what I'm gonna do, all the time. Why? 
Because I realize how I am is forming something in you. Oh, look at you doing the two now. Oh, look at you showing up to your marriage stable and consistent. Y'all got that? Keep keeping your word. Walking in integrity. Y'all got that? Being intentional. Y'all got that? All of this is very intentional. Does that make sense? Because just like forming the souls of children that are growing in the house, that's what leadership is doing in the heart and mind of the congregation. See that? You, you, you have no idea, right? Uh, people come into a church, right? And they're new to an environment. And they keep seeing you over there. You have no idea what... I'm not even talking about you doing anything supernatural. I'm just talking about there's, there's a strength that begin and a resolve that starts forming in them when they see the pillars in place. Tell somebody they should see the pillars in place. And if you are a leader, you are a pillar in a big house. Does that make sense? So it's not just about, ah, I don't know, I don't know about God today. I, I'm going to be an online member today. You tell somebody, you destabilizing things. But many people don't think about the, the impact. They don't even think about it. They don't think about the impact of their absence. Yeah, this is what the Bible said about latchkey kids, right? You know why I got into so much porn as a child? I was left alone too much. The Bible said a child left to himself dishonors his mother. What, what do you mean left to himself? The parents weren't parenting. Or they weren't present as parents. Y'all got that? Somebody shout, we're parental. If you're, if you're a leader, you're, in a, you're operating in a parental capacity in the flock. Hello? You are parental, but are you present? See yeah. that? Consistently. Does that make sense? All right. So number next. Number three. My expectation is that you walk in integrity. Right? Somebody shout, walk in integrity. And, and I know we've talked about this before, but integrity is just about make sure that what you present in this room, you know, everybody looks so, just so good. <laughs> Tell somebody, make sure this is what you really are. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, right? But if there's going to be, you know, maligning and negativity and, and all this other things that don't build consensus and agreement and direction and, and us, it should never be coming out of your mouth. Hello. You should be the last one involved in anything that causes us to lose our hope in people because we end the people helping business and you can't keep hoping people if you're talking about people negatively. Y'all got that? Number four. My expectation is that what you display and what you say are the same things. Y'all got that? Congruence. This people, Jesus said, draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So we want to make sure there is a consistency between what we display and what we say. There has to be congruence. Does that make sense? What are we talking about? How the leadership a team, a team affects the partners. Y'all see that? 
Many people are very oblivious of these kind of things because they don't understand the affect of their presence or their absence when it comes to a congregation of people. Number five, that you embody the values, the standards, and the direction of the ministry. See that? People ought to see your commitment to the vision. See your commitment to our direction. See your commitment to our processes. The things that we believe that our vision embodies ought to show up. And be, it ought, it ought, it, they've been inculcated and show up in the way you do what you do. Does that make sense? All right. Number six, I expect that you will be in the know. Somebody shout, I should be in the know. And at the forefront of change. Now, what do you mean by that, right? When we are communicating in leadership pages, in leadership meetings, when we have a leadership conversation, it's your job as a leader to know what that conversation was. I couldn't be there. Somebody should be there for you. I couldn't be there. Send a recorder. Why? See, if I'm a leader, I've got to be in the know. Now, why is, I'm going to ask a question. Why is it important if you're in a leadership role, you need to be in the know? Anybody, why should you be in the know? So you can move. What else? You can invite the visual else. What a course. Who are the partners going to come to for information? You? You? You're in the bathroom. Hey, what's this all about? You know the worst thing you can ask? I don't know. And then even worse, if you're a leader, this should never come out of your mouth. I don't know what they doing. Just like you are there. Y'all got that? So you should be in the know. Say, I should be in the know. See, it's not enough, oh, I couldn't be there. I told the apostle I wouldn't be there. No, but you, you made sure that somebody there is communicating to you what was conveyed. It is my responsibility to get that information. I'm in a leadership position. I'm part of a leadership team. I need to know what was said. Why? So that I can make sure I'm communicating to the congregation the same thing that was discussed in the process. That makes sense? And if things are changing, I need to be at the forefront of change. Come on, somebody. I need to model where we're going next. I need to model what we're doing next. I should be at the forefront. Now I got the back talking about, I don't know why they're doing all this changing. <laughs> Tell somebody, you are they. <laughs> Number next, what I expect of you in 24, 23rd year. Number seven, that you get to know the people of God. Somebody shout, I got to get to know the people of God. Yeah. That you create relationships with them. That you do life with them. And that you ensure that this church does not become impersonal. Y'all got that? So we talk about one of the things that I've, I've contended with overcoming the pastor of church was when God called me in the full-time ministry. He showed it to me. I had a vision uh, one Saturday. He showed me the magnitude, right? The multitudes, right? He showed me the dimensions we would operate in, right? He said these words to me. He said, Behold, I have given you the multitude, but you must remember that ministry is always about the one. You know what those instructions were? Never lose the individual in a crowd. Yeah. 
I'm a man under instruction. Yeah. I don't know how I possibly remember everybody. I'm a man under instructions. Yes. Right. Mm. I'm a man under instructions. You can't be on my team and not understand my instructions. Yeah. So you got to know why it's important to me that you know people. Yeah. And the reason it's important to me, because it was important to him when he called me. Yeah. Does that make sense? So that's why I do this, the way that I do it. And that's why I try to inculcate the same value to you, because it's at the genesis of my calling and the ministry. He said to me, I've given you the multitude. But you must remember that ministry is about the one. Never lose the individual in the crowd. Yeah. See that? That's what God told me. So when I talk to you about getting to know people, right? Hey, go greet somebody and learn their name and call them by their name the next time you see them. That's a part, that's literally at the genesis of my calling in the ministry. That's how God told me to do ministry. So y'all know, if you're on my team, that's how God told us. Yeah. <laughs> told y'all before, don't come to this church like this. All right, where you going? Over there to my seat where I sit. You ain't helping me if that's what you do. You ain't helping me if that's what you do. You ain't on, you ain't on the Lord's side. You ain't helping me if that's what you do. Get to know people. Don't be afraid to discover the newness of new relationships. Just like lean in. You know, you'll keep growing if you keep meeting and engaging new people. I'm, I'm going to share something else with you, right? God will use you more if you're willing to be uncomfortable by going to a relationship you normally wouldn't gravitate to. God will use you even more. Isn't that right? Because say it with me, I'm becoming more adaptive. And you're increasing trust with God as a leader. Who gets more use? 916th wrench or the vice grips? Just like I'm adjustable. So, that, so God gets to use me more. Because I, oh, I don't need people to be a certain way in order for me to engage them. She looked mean. Well, no, she's just like that. Everybody in their family got the same face. Just like she grew up with that grimace. Very secure to go towards somebody that don't look like your cup of tea and just be nice. You gotta be very secure within yourself. Yes. Hey! Oh! <laughs> now I'm telling you, I want to reiterate. Yeah. Think about this, right? If every single person in this room, you showed up at my leadership class, you part of my leadership process, yeah. right? right? Everybody in this room is doing exactly what I'm telling you that I expect of you because God expects it of me. Yes. Want to show up in the congregation? Yes. Want to have, it'll have a massive, listen to this, it will have a massive impact on how it feels to be here. Yeah. I had a new member I had an uh, interest meeting with recently, right? 
And I asked her, uh, who's your links person? Have you been in touch with them? Have they been in touch with you? Have you grown to know anyone else in the congregation? Not really, not really, not really, right? And so she said these words to me. She said, be honest with your father. She said, I'm used to a small church. She said, and this church feels really intimidating to me. It just feels big. And then I said to this person, I said, you need to start getting to know people. Said so once you develop relationships, this place shrinks. Isn't that right? This church no longer feels big to you, does it? No. Not at all. Why? You shrunk it through relationships. See that? That's how you shrink a big church. You build relationships. So you as a leader should be an example of relationship building. Say, I am the example of relationship building. Say it with me. I go out of my way to build relationships with others. Does that make sense? That's what we do. Now, I hope you have clarity at least why I do it. I'm a man under instructions. Y'all got that? I'm a man under instructions. To this day, it blows away people. We were sitting in church. Y'all saw it the other week, right? I'm coming up the aisle preaching my sermon. Over there to the left, I see Crystal Nesbitt. She looks like... <laughs> she looked at me like she didn't know her name. <laughs> now, I'm going to show you something that maybe you didn't know. She was shocked that I knew her name, right? Next Sunday, she's up two rows. Y'all I'm watching body language. When people start moving toward the front, they're now feeling more comfortable. The very next Sunday, she was not at her normal seat. She moved up two or three rows. She moved up. See, so you got to watch the human dynamic and watch what people are doing. She's growing in her comfort. Fine. Somebody knows me. Y'all got that? You understand that? All right. Number eight. My expectation of you as a leader, that you confront all forms of division wherever you find it. If you're in this room, you're deputized to confront division. See that? When you hear people comparing one leader to another leader, that's divisive speech. I'm going to say that again. Okay? Well, I, I just, you know, I don't know, man. I, I, you know, I mean, uh, I... I sort of like when, when Fonda preach, but I don't, I don't know about Elder Barr, you know, she seems a little old-fashioned. When you hear somebody comparing one leader to another leader, they are causing division. Look at myself, handle that. No, if you're in this room, you are authorized to handle that. Hey, you know what? We don't divide here. We don't, we don't, right? Wherever there's compare, comparison, there's an attempt at division. Don't ever, don't ever tolerate it. You are deputized to go toward it. That makes sense? Don't ever tolerate that. See that? I don't know if I, that, right? It, why are you having a conversation in this group you won't come to the office and have? Hello? Ah, the way they, the way they, they, you are they. And why are you having that conversation in that group? When you can just go to the day you're talking about and have that conversation. Yeah. So that, don't ever as a leader tolerate division. Does that make sense? And y'all know my, my habit and manner on this when I realize somebody's being divisive within a department, right? And they email, they text me the safe way. 
right? And when I reply, I reply with the one they were talking about. Even my reply. Why? We ain't playing that. We ain't playing that. Your home was messed up. The people raised you were messed up like this. We ain't finna do that here. Does that make sense? All right. Mama died and the sisters are fighting now. Why? Because we sowed a seed of division in the family dynamic. And once you sow that seed of division, it grows up into a full-blown tree of division. Small foxes. Do what? They fall back. Tell somebody to handle that. Go directly at it. See that? You have people just casually talking about people's personal business. Right? Don't, don't, hello somebody. You with your spiritual. Restore such a one in the spirit of weakness. Somebody shout, I'm in restoration, not condemnation. Come on, somebody shout, I'm in restoration, not condemnation. Um, brother, that sounds like condemnation. Shouldn't we be the ones restoring them? Shouldn't we, we, shouldn't we call them to lunch and just talk with them, see where they are, see how we can help them get to where they need to be? I'm in restoration, not condemnation. And if you're really spiritual, you're interested in the person coming aware of who they really are and being restored to where they're really called. If your motives are right, that's what you're interested in. See that? All right. Number nine, I expect that you demonstrate sacrificial and sacrificial behavior and servitude to the, fro the flock. They should see how to serve watching you. Y'all got that? If you only serve when you're being watched, they should never, they should never see that. <laughs> but they should see how to serve. They should see sacrificial behavior on the part of leadership. All right? Number 10, did you become a picture of order and submissiveness? Y'all got that? Remember the, remember the Roman centurion coming to Jesus? He said, I'm a man under authority. I understand how authority works. I got people under me, so I know how to be under people. Ask somebody, do you know how to be under people? So they should see, leadership should be a picture of order and submissiveness. Why? Because you know what you're going to want? It's amazing what happens is this, right? You know you always read what you sow, right? Yeah. Out of order people, God always makes sure out of order people gravitate to them. God, I'll give you things in your own medicine. See that? Some leaders, listen to me, and some leaders cannot collaborate. They have to be in charge or they won't be a part. So God makes sure he sends somebody the same way. Just like God gonna show you you. Sometimes he shows you you by those he sends. Right or right? Somebody shout, collaborate. collaborate. That's what we do. We collaborate. I'm just here to help. How can I help you in what you're doing? I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. Does that make sense? All right. Number 11. We're working toward 23. 23 things I expect of leaders this year. That you do your part to make our ministry a safe place for souls to be. Yes. Come on, ask somebody. If somebody sit on your road, is that a safe place? Do your part to make sure that our ministry is a safe place for souls to be. Now, I know I've already beat that horse today already, but a fundamental part of this ministry feeling safe to most, think about this. Through this month, from last year, 200 people have joined this church. 
God's doing something. Right? But the question is, do we recognize the mandate that is upon our lives to impact these people to a degree that it glorifies God? That it builds them up? That they feel secure? And, and, I, and I, one of the things I mentioned earlier, and I want to reiterate, right? Somebody shout, I am a pillar in the house of God. Now, how, how often, when you walk into a building, right, and you, how often do you want that pillar to be there? This don't feel safe. Y'all missing pillars. This don't feel safe. <laughs> coming down. That's you. Your presence consistently doing what you do to build lives helps people to feel secure. And when people feel secure, they relax and engage the process for which God sent them to manifestation. Y'all got that? You're a part of that. But I don't, I want you, well, all I do is, ha! All you do is huge. Huge to what we do. Y'all got that? Yes. All right. Number next. Number 12. That you take the initiative and continue to offer ways to advance the vision. Does that make sense? I love when I see leaders taking a Hey, I, I, look what I did. Over, oh, wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. Right? You do not. If you got the general direction, you do not need to be told all the things that you need to do there. Y'all got that? Because you got latitude. Number 13. That you never be part of the problem, but always part of the solution. Y'all got that? Say it with me. I'm part of the solution. Now, I'm aware of the problem. We just talked about that. But now, after we have clearly stated the problem, all there is is what are the what? Are the what? what are the solutions? So we can work toward solution. Y'all got that? Number 14. And I mentioned this earlier. I expect that you will avoid all gossip, all backbiting, and all speaking negatively of other people. Tells my all love. Oh, I just be saying though. Then get out of leadership. Get out of this process. You should be in this process. If you if you can't control your mouth, you should you shouldn't be in this room. You should be in this process. Shouldn't be on this team. See that? Because this is what. Leaders are expected to do. We got to behave ourselves and govern ourselves like leaders. Here's 15. That you make a consorted effort, watch this, to function at the level of your role or your title. Somebody shout, title doesn't matter. Say it with me. Title doesn't matter. Proper function matters. Y'all got that? It's like being a deacon that won't deek. A usher that won't ush. If you got the title, you got to show up with the function. Isn't that right? Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. It's like, like we got a problem here because we got, I got more prophets than J-Lo got dancers. Yeah. But you know what amazes me? I have no prophets at 8 a.m. I have part-time prophets. They only prophesy after 1030 and only with a suitable crowd. I'm just plainly stating my problems. <laughs> Ain't nobody got a word at 8 a.m. They got a pillow at 8 a.m. 
the time? It's too early to be prophesying? I just question the motives of people that only prophesy at 1130. I question it. I question it. See that? All right? I only want to present, right? I want to sing, but I will sing at nine. Why? I want to wait till the crowd is there. Ego. 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 You got 500 people on the stream watching. Oh, but you need bodies in a room. See that? That's ego. We got to get rid of that kind of stuff. You know, I want, I'll remind y'all. I'll remind y'all when we went through the pandemic. Remember when the pandemic first started? And it was just me and, the, and Rodney and the, the team and the praise team were here, right? Oh, we going at it. We going at it like building pool. Because we were still in the audience. Ha! Oh, my God. We were still in the audience of a great king. Y'all got that? You would have never known there wasn't nobody in the building. We were going at it, right? Because all, all worship was ascending. Yes. We, we don't worship for a crowd. Yes. We worship for the one. Yes. Son, the everlasting God. Y'all got that? Does that make sense? I never forget God told me when I sought God, like when, when the pandemic started, I sought God. He said, be consistent. He said, people in crisis need consistency from leadership. You know what Do everything you do. Don't stop doing anything. We did 8 a.m. service. We did 10.30 service. We started a new training on Thursday to get out in front of people and encourage them. Give people hope through this time. Yeah. Don't let people get caught up in the news going on. Yeah. So it's amazing to me that the pandemic meant more work for me. <laughs> Not less. See that? But now here's the thing. At no point during that three-year process, at no point did I get depressed. And I was reading articles online about how depressed pastors got during the pandemic. The people weren't sitting in front of them. No, it really wasn't. A lot of times, you know, it wasn't about money. It was about people think that their value is only because of the crowd that's sitting in front of them. Y'all got that? They're depressed because ain't nobody saying amen. This thing really exposed the emotional volatility of people. But they didn't know what to do alone. Y'all got that? Pass Rodney. I remember even during that time, we were getting phone calls. People who were not even in the state of Florida, who were not even members of here, mm -hmm. who were literally on the verge of committing suicide. Yep. Because of the consistency, and, and, and they were shocked somebody's there. Yep. You know, so we were, we were ministering to people at a whole other level, you know, who were not even members here. Certainly. Wow. And you know what? So then we, we just went through it. Y'all know up to this week through last year, 200 people joined the church, right? We were told, I literally got a prophecy. God said he's going to set a multitude to your church just because you stayed open during the pandemic. Because you stayed available. And it's happened. Literally, that word is coming to pass right now. See that? Three years. Out of the whole three years, we were closed. Closed, I use that term loosely. Five weeks. Five weeks. See that? Then I just, I'm like, all right, y'all go to Walmart. <laughs> y'all go to restaurants. Okay, yes. We open. Whatever, we open. <laughs> like, y'all, y'all all up in Juicy Crab. 
right? <laughs> you better come to church. <laughs> Number 16, that you will engage our partners as if they are our customers and you are in customer service. It's an expectation. You know, years ago we did a training. Y'all, anybody remember that training we did on customer service? Right? Years ago we did a training on customer service because I want to make sure our teams understood who we are to the process of people walking through those front doors. Y'all got that? Somebody shout, I'm here to help. We are in customer service. You know, I know y'all heard me say this, but y'all have changed, right? Okay, the number one reason people fail to return to a place of establishment is an attitude of indifference on the part of someone in a service position who does not possess a service mindset. No more reason. You go to a restaurant, bathroom's dirty, food is great, uh, right? Uh, uh, Serving got a bad attitude, you're more likely not to go back because of that bad attitude than you are that dirty bathroom. Isn't that right? I'd be in there cleaning up their bathroom. I can't help with that. I'd be in there like taking table up off the floor, wiping their mirror down. It's just dirt. I'm in there like wiping the mirror down and picking up table off the floor. I can't help it. And the thing's still in me. <laughs> Number 17, that you demonstrate cooperation and understanding mindsets with no complaining and murmuring. Say, God hates complaining. God hates complaining. We talked about that the other night. 18, that you'll always think, watch this, collaboration and never think competition. Tell somebody, at no point am I in competition with you. Come on, somebody. At no point am I in competition with you. Collaboration. We are us. Simple as that. We are us. Whatever we're doing, that's what we're doing. Y'all got that? Collaboration. What was that? Oh, okay. 19. That you'll take the new people under your wing and mentor them and help them to assimilate into our processes. Y'all got that? How many of you right now are being very intentional about a new person and making sure they get grasped in, grasp, you know, grafted in right now? All right? That everybody in the room should be, right now, you should always have somebody you're helping to get somewhere. Y'all got that? Come here for a minute, Kim, if you would, please. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna come here right now. So I'm gonna remind you of something I've taught over the years, but I know some of y'all through this process. Say, I am. I am the one in the middle. As a leader, y'all have to do this. As a leader in leadership process, <laughs> I should always be the man. I'm concerned about a leader that's not in the middle. What do you mean by that? There should always be somebody who is imparting something into my life. I'm being mentored by him. I'm mentoring her. The ministry is in giving and receiving. You cannot be a person that if 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 all you do is this, right, you're gonna end up you're gonna end up dry. If all you do is this, you're gonna end up fat. I 
got to be both of them. You got to be as a leader. You got to be in a as a leader, growing from someone's knowledge and growing someone through your knowledge. That's called the cycle of mentorship. That makes sense. Thank you. That's what that's what it looks like to remain healthy and to keep growing in leadership. You got to be in that per You got to be the man in the middle, the woman in the middle. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Number 20. I'm almost done and then we have any questions or comments before we move on to just our business. Uh, number 20. Oh, this is huge. I expect that you will hit reset on your relationships with some older partners. Yeah, Y'all like, nope. <laughs> How many have been here over 10 years? Raise your hand. Have you grown? All right. Then that means that mean people in here don't know you. Why? Somebody shout, I'm somebody else now. Remember this about the soul. The soul is who you are now. Soul represents somebody who's always becoming. That means how you met me 10 years ago, not how I am, in this present moment. Look at myself, let me introduce myself. Oh, no, 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 I'm not the same paranoid, insecure mess you met five years ago. Hello, somebody. I have depth now. Wow. Oh, somebody shout out, grow up in this book. There are times you have to reintroduce yourself at the stage and at the level of your growth and development now. Does that make sense? So it's your job to get to know people now in their newness. Does that make sense? All right. And as I said before, don't be given no unofficial orientations on other people. Does that make sense? I've had that happen right here in the church. I had people that felt obligated to give a new member orientation of certain people. And I, I went out, I, I, don't, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever. You let them people develop relationship. Just because you are inept of curating a good relationship with them, don't mean they can't. Let them get to know them for themselves. Don't be given unofficial orientation of people. Y'all got that? You know, we have we have new people join the church and they swear they know everything my life my wife like and don't like. Now you don't even know my wife. Oh, but the unofficial orientation members. Wow. Quit doing that. Let them develop their own relationship. You know how apostle is. No. No. I was like that with you. Because you're hard headed. Just like Peter's and John's are not pastors the same way. <laughs> Anybody got more than one child? You got the same standard, you can't raise them the same way. So there's a ver you got the version of me you need. And they don't have authority issues like you did. Oh, they're not, they don't need any of that, that part of me. <laughs> that makes sense? So their experience is going to be tailored to their condition. 
Because I want to I wanna discern and ascertain their condition and my assignment so I can engage them strategically. Does that make sense? Yeah. Called adaptation and leadership. <laughs> Paul said, I became all things. All things. About all possible men. You know what Paul said? Say it with me. I'm the one. I'm the one. Doing the adjusting to meet the needs. You got to be very secure to adapt your style based on who you're dealing with. Yes, sir. Yes. Isn't that right? Yes. I ask somebody, are you that secure? Look at somebody asking, will you flex with me? Flex with me. <laughs> Hello? Yes, Here's something else. You got to be very secure to keep learning about what you think you already know. Hello? You got, and if you're going to grow, you got to keep learning about what you think you already know. Yes, sir. Does that make sense, Liz? Yes, sir. Say it again, because Dr. Miller told me to say it again. <laughs> to keep growing as a leader, you got to keep learning about what you think you already know. Say, all I know is not all there is to know. That's a testament to the fact that, say it with me, I'm still growing. Does that make sense? All right? And I don't know about you, but I'm very intentional to make sure that I keep exposing myself to stuff that made me have to look up words. I'm yeah, literally, every week yeah, I'm yeah, looking yeah. up words. I'm like, oh, that's what that means, right? I'm looking up words, and I'm learning new information, and I'm thinking about how to apply that information to the way that I do things. Why? Because I want to continue to grow and evolve. All I know is not all there is to know. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. All right. <clears throat> Number 21. I'm almost done. 23 things I want to see. The 23rd year of ministry. All right? 21. That you will report as you should and communicate as you must. Got that? My, my pastor, Bishop, ordained me as an elder in his church back in the early 90s. As an elder, I was over the tribe of Judah. Hey, praise! I was over the tribe of Judah. As the tribe of Judah leader... I knew the people he put me over. I knew them by name. I learned their names so that I didn't have to say the big fella in the middle. I could tell him, Brother Johnson, so he would know exactly who I was talking about when I gave him my report. You got that? My report was due on the first of a quarter. He didn't have to ask me to give him my report as an elder on the day he already told me he wanted me to report. Why? I'm an elder. Elder means I'm, I'm part of the oversight, right? I'm part of the oversight and won't report. So I want others to report to me, but I don't want to report to the one who appointed me. See, that should never be. Because you should report when you should and communicate when you must. See, and if you're in a leadership position, you remember, it's all y'all. It's one me. Right? I have a fundamental need to know what's going on in your area. Yeah. Alright? Uh, who, who, who is connected? Uh, sister so-and-so joined my department. Report that. I need to know these people are getting connected to the word tangible. So report that. Now when I'm talking about that, oh yeah, I heard you join so-and-so department. Right? So now we have circular accountability to what people are doing within the framework of the organization. That makes sense? I should never have to tell a leader twice to turn in a ministry report. You should never have to hear that twice. 
Because why wouldn't? Now you want people to report to you? You want them to respond to your leadership? You want them to be consistent, right? Do what you expect. Y'all got that? 22. I expect that there will be no missing services for frivolous reasons. <laughs> I got to watch my cat. <laughs> oh, shoot. Shots fired. All right, so who's here for my personality? Okay, nobody? Then everybody should be here when my personality's not here. Y'all got that? And as I said before, too, about this kind of subject matter, right? It's imperative that you be committed to the vision of manifestation worldwide. Because ultimately, we did not build a ministry that orbits around Mark Jones. We build a ministry that is going to last generations beyond Mark Jones. We got to hand this over to our kids. Come on, somebody. So that means that the way we are matters to the future of our efforts. Does that make sense? All right. And here's the last thing. 23. That you will do all that you should as unto the Lord and not for validation. You know, we do the best we can to celebrate people. You know, we have a leadership stuff going on and we give out awards and hand out certificates and cards and all this other kind of stuff from time to time. But realistically, if you're going to do what you do extremely well, you got to do it as Colossians 3, 17 and 23 said, with all your heart as unto the Lord. Not as unto men, looking for the Lord to reward you. It has to be as unto the Lord. Because if you can be only encouraged by people, then you will be discouraged by people. Hello, somebody. But if your motivation comes from knowing that I'm doing, hello, somebody. I don't say I know I'm doing what's rewarded. No! I'm looking to the day that I have to give an account of myself to the Lord Jesus Christ, who I've been. Amen or amen. Amen. Praise God. So those are my 23 expectations of leaders. Amen. Uh, we're coming up on 23 years. July 15th of this year will be 23 years of ministry. And so I wanted to give you 23 expectations of leaders so that you could govern. Tell somebody, govern yourself accordingly. Amen.